You're listening to The Omni Show. Get to know the people and stories behind Omni's award-winning productivity apps for Mac and iOS. Music. Such a good radio voice. <laughs> I love that music. That music, by the way, is by Aaron Cheroff. Am yeah. I pronouncing that right? Cheroff. Uh, uh, he does a lot of music, and I'm going to link to it in the show notes. Anyway, I'm your host, Brent Simmons. In the studio with me today is Brian Covey. Hello. You jumped the gun, and I forgot to tell you. Here's what we do. So I say, say hello, Brian, and you say, hello, Brian. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Say hello, Brian. Hello, Brian. Very well done. Thank you. We're just doing that every episode. All right. Just because. All right. So, Brian, you are the support manager here at Omni. That is correct. Um, so one of my favorite things that happens every single week is we have a weekly company meeting, 1130 on Tuesdays, and go around the room, talk to PMs, department heads. We get to Brian, and he's got stats. So, Brian, can you, like, replay your stats on the I recent can. meeting? It's, it's true. This company loves numbers, so I try mm-hmm. to give them numbers. Uh, support was red two days last week and green on three after factoring out a support load bug. Support updated 569 tickets last week, resolving 537 of them. Folks outside of support updated two tickets, resolving one of those. Thanks very much. We took 68 calls last week with an average call length of 12 minutes and 10 seconds. That's 13.8 hours total talk time, which is pretty comparable to October of last year, but our call times are a little bit longer. Wonderful. Thank you so much. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I know, right? So... Here we are in the Mac and iOS nowadays community, and you know, well, I'm these 60, 70 people. I mean, yeah. yeah, we're we're bigger than many indie companies, but we're still a pretty small company. Yep. And people in this community have uh, prioritized and and prided ourselves on doing great yeah. support. Omni, however, seems to take it a step further even than most companies. I wonder if you could talk about Omni's support philosophy. Uh, I think in a lot of ways it just has to do with. Um, really good luck and um, having a boss that like the founders here really, really get it right. There's a, um, there's a very good conference for people that do this kind of work that I've been taking people from Omni to for about the last five years. It's called elevate support. Um, and for the first three or four times I went to that conference, I sat there and watched a lot of talks and I was just like, wow, I am really, really lucky because a big chunk of the talks were things like how to get your boss to understand that support is a revenue generator, not a cost center that should be done as cheaply as possible, or uh, how to get engineers to believe that bugs that affect your customers are important. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, like a lot of the talks that I watched, I just kind of like walked away from the conference and I was like, wow, uh, yeah, I'm really lucky to have the job that I have and work at the company that I do. (laughs) It it seems in some ways like the founders created a company that if they had to be customers of, they'd yeah. be happy. Yeah, to be I think. Of. I think the just do it the way you think you want to, like do it the way you think it should be done is kind of the, is omni like kind of top to bottom, right? Mm-hmm. Like there are a lot of choices that we make are essentially just like uh, do what we like, and hopefully enough people are like us that that will work out. <laughs> yeah, and thus right. far, you know, so far so good. Yeah, it's in some ways like the golden rule of yeah. of, of support of software. Mm-hmm. So. So we were lucky with, you know, great founders and yeah. early great people. Uh, how do you keep that going? Because, you know, there is yeah. some turnover over yeah. time and yeah. we get bigger. Um, and, yeah, definitely as you grow. Like, so when I came on board uh, way back in the um, year of 2001, 
Um, I think I was the 14th person on the team. I wasn't the 14th employee, but the team was 14 people at that point. And we're like 60-something now. So we've definitely grown. And as you add more links in the communication chain, it does sort of naturally get like to be one of those things you have to encourage people to think about and to to do and carry out. Because I think a lot of people – I think a lot of people show up at Omni expecting it to be like a typical company. So they figure like, oh, this is going to be a company like my last company that I worked at was or – uh, the CEO is going to be like a typical CEO. So when you say things like, oh, you don't know how to answer this ticket, just go knock on the CEO's door. They actually look at you kind of confused. <laughs> um, yeah, no yeah. kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's, you know, it's one of the, and it's one of the things that I had to figure out that, like, I just took it for granted, right? Because when I came on board, we were uh, a bunch of like college age dorks in a, you know, weird house that had stained carpet and weird wood flooring. And it was kind of fun and ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just did stuff. Um, you know, I like to say that I'm in the 16th year of making it up as I go along. I like that. Yeah. That's the only way to go. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you definitely do have to, like I've, you know, the last couple of folks I've, uh, my relatively recent hires, I've had to actually say to them, like, I totally understand why you think like the CEO might be intimidating. I swear to God, he's the least intimidating person on the face of the planet. <laughs> It'll be okay. I promise. Uh, um, so. Listeners, I will eventually uh, interview Ken Case. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I haven't yet, not because I'm afraid of him, because yep. Yep. <laughs> he's yeah. not not scary. Yeah. He's a super nice guy. Yep. So, so you're able to keep that culture going with yeah. the new hires, and, and, and that, that's that's a really important thing. Because yeah. here we are now in these really nice yeah. offices with a view of the lake, and we have <laughs> conference <laughs> rooms and a cafeteria. And, yep. Yeah. We moved it. We moved into this building three, four years ago, and it felt very much like kid in big person clothes, like grown up clothes, <laughs> and. Uh, Confusingly, we seem to have filled it out quite nicely, and now it actually fits us, which is one of those. I just have to revise my mental model from time to time. Where, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, we're a real company. This, the thing we should, yeah, not screw up. <laughs> but still at the size where everyone can know everybody's yeah. name, and you yeah. know, it's like it's like a very, very small town yeah. or a very, very large family. Yep. Yeah. I hang out with a couple of friends who work at several of the other very large tech companies here in Seattle, and uh, like one of them is literally across the street. Like, I, you know, uh, and. It's very nice to have conversations about work and realize that there is literally no one at the company that I dislike. Mm-hmm. As I as I hear them regale stories of like, oh, you know, Bob from Bob from whatever that guy really. Anyways, you know, it's always like, Bob. It's yeah, Bob. yeah. yeah. Um, just liking your coworkers is a massive, intangible good. <laughs> I remember when I interviewed here. In fact, um, I, I can't remember how exactly this came up, uh, but Chuck said something like he. During Christmas break, he misses his coworkers and wants to come back to work. Yeah, and I'm like, that's yep. that's a pretty strong endorsement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the cool things I noticed is um, support people come to the product yeah. meetings. Yep. yep, and I've I've found that very valuable, and yeah. I think other people do too. I like that support as well, integrated with the with yeah. the company. But no, but it's a huge. Did, yeah. How did how did that come to be? And what's your thinking behind that? Yeah, it's a it's a thing that we started doing. Um, I think we started doing somewhere back in over a decade ago. Uh, and a manager who was working with us for a couple of years talked me into it. She, uh, it was not a role that existed, this product manager role. Mm. Um, we just had support folks and we tried to figure out how to make products that people would buy. And she kind of helped us formalize a few things in a way that's been really helpful. And she just said like, look, support people are the people who talk to your customers. So you want them in those meetings. Like you will reach a point where 
you know, it's good to have engineers and marketing folks with good instincts for what they like and what they think customers will buy. But at a certain point, you need to have an actual conversation with a customer because if you're going to make a product and sell it for a profit, you probably need to take into account customers whose preferences aren't your own. Um, so, and that's that's where the product manager role came from. And since then, it's just it's that was originally just like a person who would go to a particular meeting, but we've kind of scaled it up so that everybody in support goes to at least some of the product meetings because we talk to folks and we're there to answer questions when the when the PM you know has a question about it or uh, if the engineers are not really sure how like there's a bug that they're trying to fix but they don't really know how the customer is using got how do you get the app in this weird state mm. they can fill in some of those blanks it's really nice it's it's a good reminder engineers don't always learn this but a good lesson to learn is that people don't use your products the way yeah. you do yeah. Right? yeah they use them in very different ways yep. and they're not wrong yep. you know yeah it's not one of those things. It's just they're different. Yep. And so how, how do you get into that mindset, that very open open mind of, you know, people will do things yeah. very, very differently, even ways I think might be strange. But you're not judgmental. You yeah. just help them. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there will you will occasionally have a conversation with a customer or see an email from a customer where you're just like, you know, I think I think I can't think of the truly the truly head scratcher use cases off the top of my head. Um but you will occasionally see feature. Oh, <laughs> here's one from way back in the day. Um, you should really change the way this icon looks in OmniWeb because it looks way too much like British Columbia and it's really distracting. <laughs> it's one of those ones where you're like, I totally see where you're coming from. That is absolutely not a thing that I would have thought of, but okay. Um, I think you just kind of have to, ha- I mean, I wish, I mean, well, anybody can uh, learn to adopt a mindset that they don't naturally uh, aren't naturally inclined to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like a skill. You have to practice it sure. to a certain degree. Well, and the thing is, at, with every ticket or every yeah. person, that's all another mindset. Yep. Yep. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're just having. I mean, that's the other thing. You're having so many conversations where, um, I mean, if you if you looked at if you looked at a ticket where a customer was you know stating an opinion that you disagreed with and had a negative reaction to every single one of them, you would last about a week in this gig mm. just because it's, it would be emotionally exhausting, right? Like you just have to be able to go oh, like, sure. okay, you know, your preference is not my preference, but your preference is okay. So, so how did we come to the name support humans for the <laughs> people who run the support department? Cause we don't have engineer humans. We yep. don't have PM yep. humans. The only yep. humans here are support, support humans. humans. Yeah. yeah. Um, so way I'm going to, I need to stop saying way back in the day, but it was way back in the day. Of course it um, was. We referred to ourselves as support ninjas um, because it was funny and because we were 20-somethings and we liked things that were funny and, you know, you work in tech to be irreverent, right? Um, somewhere about maybe about 2010. Uh, well, first of all, like there was this phase that the tech industry went through, which I will point out we predated, um, where the hip thing to put on your resume was to be like a coding ninja or a coding guru or, you know, database rock star. Uh, uh, yes. And so we did a little bit of like, you guys have showed up and started using the cool term that we were using, but we don't want to use it anymore. Um, but we also, <laughs> we we had got an email from a customer that, uh, uh, let's just say that they made some uh, cultural assumptions on the basis of our use of the word ninja that we didn't necessarily think we wanted to be sending that message out into the world. Fair. So we decided to have a conversation about re, you know, rebranding ourselves, for lack of a better term. And it was kind of a whole team conversation. And we messed around with you know, stuff like support droid or you know, um, whatever. Because again... Droids are cute. Droids are cute. And yeah. smart. Um, but eventually, uh, I think Kurt, one of our engineers, just said, like, what about just human? Like, that's kind of exceptional in this business. Like, a lot of people have a lot of... It's kind of that negative assumption baggage 
thing we talked about earlier where people figure that if you ask for tech support, you're going to get some sort of call waiting or you'll, you know, uh, get like a, an email that was, you know, obviously generated by a script. And we just wanted to like put it front and center that like, hey, if you reach out to us for help, a human is going to be the one that you're interacting with. Actual human. Yeah. 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 That's a cool thing. I love support humans. Yeah. So. yeah. Uh, was that Kurt Clifton who came yeah. up with the name? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kurt was last episode. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Um, and I did not know that about him. Yeah. So it's cool. So we do phone support. Yes. Which is like, not only are we doing all of this crazy amount of support, we're also doing phone support, which yeah. is is rare, I think, especially for a company this size. Yeah. And we've got four apps. They're very deep. But yeah. phone support, how did that how did happen? They- because if I'd been running the company, I would have nixed. I would have stopped right there. I said no. <laughs> there are a lot of companies that don't do it um, because it is incredibly resource intensive, right? Like per unit of time, talking to one person on the phone, I could probably answer, you know, three or four support emails, just depending. Like, well, I mean, so our average phone call is about twelve minutes long, so maybe like two emails, but still, like, mm. you know, essentially, when you get on the phone, you're cutting your. If, if you're a productivity wonk, you're cutting your productivity in half by talking to another person on the phone. Um, but uh, like many good ideas at Omni, it was something I was initially resistant to, but it got talked into by my boss. Um, so, yeah, he's like, look, it's just going to be a better customer experience. And so we should add it. And it does. I mean, it, it is. It's a better customer experience. Mm-hmm. It, it clearly hits a different um, kind of customer. You know, like they're, they're folks who. They, just, they have different needs than the folks who just want to fire off an email and then not worry about their problem for a couple of hours and wait for us to get back to them. You know, either they're in a crunch and they need help right then and now, or they're just more comfortable talking to someone as opposed to like writing a bunch of stuff down and hoping that they get back a response that's helpful. Yeah, because different people are different. Yeah, 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 so. yeah. And when you say your boss, it was it was Ken. It was who yeah. wanted, yep. who wanted uh, yep. phone support, uh, even though he's CEO and responsible yep. for the bottom line. Yep. He's like. This is better. We're going to do it. Yep. And he's actually hopped on the phone and done phone support. Like, oh, I love that. Which That's is, great. yeah, it's uh, it's one of the things we've that people really push the idea of at that conference I referenced earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a thing that we've kind of done. We started doing like a modified version of that here where instead of, you know, like we're pretty good at what we do. So we don't want to plunk you guys down in front of a phone and just say, here, talk to a human being who, you know, like it's just it's a different skill and you guys haven't mm-hmm. practiced that skill. So what we've been doing instead is something I call a support ride along which is essentially where somebody from outside of support will sit down next to a support human. It's kind of like a pair programming idea where... Okay, so, support... so I, an engineer, could sit down yep. with somebody yep. and then yep. and uh, be on the phone or yep. just uh, any... Usually it's on, usually on email tickets just because okay. it's easier. Yeah. Um, but the big advantage there is you guys are going to see stuff that we're totally going to miss, right? Like mm. we're going we're gonna to help the customer and we're going to answer their question, but we may not realize, oh, this is literally like a five-minute fix. We could just do this right now. Like we're going to put it into our, our bug tracking tool and, you know, the right outcome will probably come out mm-hmm. uh, the other end. But, you know, having you guys right there to provide uh, that perspective just totally changes the customer experience and also just means that we get better results out the other end than we would have by ourselves. So it's Great. kind of a win-win. Yeah, it makes our apps better and, yeah, and so on. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. I think, you know, support needs to not be its own separate enclave. Yeah. And I, I love so much that it isn't. Yeah, yeah it's huge. It's a yeah. great thing. Yeah. Uh, how is uh, is so in general then relationship with the rest of the company? You don't. Uh, I, I haven't seen any kind of problems. Though that would no. be more with test <laughs> and engineers, right? Are typically the kind of at odds groups. And I mean, here at Omni, they're not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but 
but support and engineering are also not yeah. ad hoc. I mean, because we're constantly asking for stuff, right? Like, you know, um, customers ask for things and we try to ask for those things too. So because they want them and we don't, we don't know what's easy or hard. We don't know if there's room on the schedule. So we're probably like desperately trying to like shove three more fixes into a release that's overstuffed with work already for, for you guys. Um, uh, but we, yeah, we have the, we have the real advantage of, I think just because, um, you know, we are still, you know, founder effect is a huge thing and there's a certain degree to which Omni is still like this, house full of weirdos <laughs> yes. making software. And mm-hmm. just, I think the biggest advantage we have is legitimately everybody feels like they're all on the same team. Like we may not, I certainly don't always see eye to eye with everybody that works here, but we're just trying to accomplish the same goal. Yeah. So, um, and I don't, I mean, I wish I had some like magic. If I could write a business book and, and let every company out in the world, mm-hmm. like do this, I'd, well, I wouldn't have to work, but I wouldn't do sure. it. <laughs> First line of your book would say, in 2001, join Omni. <laughs> exactly, okay. yes. Go from there. Yeah, yep. yeah, no doubt. One of my favorite things is when we're in a product meeting and you or somebody from support argues, no, we better not do that. <laughs> and, like, and here's why. And then yep. everyone's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I think, yeah, yeah, that would actually yeah. be rough. We better not do that. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, because stuff, stuff that makes sense to – we have to have the ability to put ourselves in the shoes of somebody who doesn't have as much technical expertise. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, sometimes stuff will totally make sense. And I just sit there and look at it and I'm like, oh, I can see somebody's going to get this confused in exactly this way. And then right. it's going to, you know, get, uh, yeah, it'll just make for a bad experience that we'll end up undoing six months later. Yeah. It's, um, I, I've noticed in my career, it, it's easy to, forget that customers are people and they're doing other things too. Yeah. They're not living in yep. that one app you make all yep. day long yep. and they know everything about it and yep. they don't. They, yeah. they totally don't. Yeah. So, well, and the other, yeah. I mean, so one of the other things that we have to think about is the fact, because like, sometimes customers will call or send an email and it's like with OmniPlan, right? Like we'll see an email from somebody and they're like, I'm using this to plan my $1.3 billion pharmaceuticals company launch. And I'm like, that's great. Mm. I know OmniPlan. I can't answer any of your questions. They will actually ask you those domain-specific questions about, like, how would you use this for pharmaceuticals? And I'm like, you do not want me answering that question because it would be a disaster. <laughs> so you just have to go to them like, I'm not the expert in your topic or your, your subject area, mm. but I can help you use this tool that we make. So mm. Tricky. Wow. Because yeah. <laughs> yep. like, the tools that we sell them aren't the things that they want. They, they're, they're the means to the end, right? Mm. Like, it's right. like, I need to build this company. OmniPlan will help me get there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How'd you get here? <laughs> Why are you at Omni? What happened? Uh, well, we can go back a little bit further than we talked in the uh, the the, uh, the prep. Uh, so I made the decision to go to college by the best possible criteria, which is to say the final season of Babylon Five had moved to TNT, and I wanted to make sure that there was cable in the dorms. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, of course. So, yeah. So Brent and I actually share an alma mater. I don't know if the listeners may not know that, but uh, we both went to the Evergreen State College, which is here in Washington. And it's a weird school that uh, denies the validity of grades. So like right. rather than a grade, you get a big fat stack of paper that basically mm-hmm. says, well, you'll never get into grad school with this, but I hope your four years here were spent <laughs> very well. Um, and somebody – and the other way – another way in which Evergreen is nontraditional in, is that I pretty much had the same instructors and the same – classmates for every class I took for the two years that I was there. Uh, and one of those was a, a gentleman by the name of Corbin Light Williams. We were you know, friends and roommates in college. And he 
Uh, he and I both moved up to the Seattle area. Uh, he ended up at Omni as an engineer, and I ended up working as an engineer for a couple of uh, <laughs> uh, a couple of a couple of companies, like a small educational software company that got acquired by a big Canadian educational software company. Um, I did spend 30 days working for not Net Zero, but the other free internet company that eventually got mm. gobbled up by Net Zero. Yeah, I don't um, even remember now. Yeah, nobody yeah. does, including me, and I worked there for a month. <laughs> but it was fun to ask the CEO on the day that the place shut down, like, you hired me a month ago. Did you know? What happened? Right. <laughs> yeah. So basically, wow. after after a year of scaring my mother with, by having a new job every three months, uh, Corwin was like, look, we don't need any engineers at Omni right now, but they need a support person. You up for it? And mm. that was actually my first gig out of college. Like I, ended up, I started out in tech support at that educational software company. Okay. So you'd done um, some support. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. I'd done some support work. You and, knew how to talk yeah. to people. Yeah. And this was in the heady days before OS X had officially released. So. Oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like wow. 99, 2000. Um, so anyways, I, I came on board in, I guess, July of 2001. <laughs> um, and I've just, I've been here ever since. Hence the 16 years making it 16 up. 16 years. The math yeah. works out. Yes. I, and I, I did the math. I realized that when I'm 52, I will have worked here half of my life. So. Wow. Yeah. It's nuts. It's, I would it's, have it's bananas. to work to the age of like 90 or <laughs> yeah. something. <laughs> half my life. Yeah. Like. I'm not gonna. I'm yeah. Totally. I don't want to do. Yeah. I don't want to work to the age of 90 either. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Evergreen. So my, my favorite, well, maybe the only joke I remember from my evergreen days, I was there in the mid eighties was why did the greener, the greener is an evergreen college student. Why did the greener cross the road? The answer. Oh, uh, you even told me and I already forgot. To get 16 credits. Right. Yeah. There literally was a course in underwater basket weaving when I was there. It had <laughs> to have been a joke, but. People yeah. got credit for throwing boomerangs. We threw a lot of yes. boomerangs when I was That's there. That's true. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I was, uh, I was both very glad and incredibly bitter to be studying a subject with verifiable right and wrong answers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally messed up. I was on the uh, art, literature, and music okay. interdisciplinary yeah. track. Yeah. I, did, yeah, I did a little miniature CS. Like the, I did oh, two, okay. two years of the CS thing, and like, I'd be trudging across campus with like, my, my very heavy uh, math textbook. Hmm. And somebody would be complaining about, oh, I had to go to class at 10 a.m., and I took a paperback, and I was just like, I'm <laughs> – <laughs> yes, you're having a very difficult time. It's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, jeez, I didn't touch a computer the entire. I was there two years because yeah. yeah. it was mid '80s. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. I think there were some somewhere, maybe. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we had a. Like, by the time I was there, I was there in '97 to '99, and there was a lab in the, okay. the same building that had the library. Hmm. Um, I need to go back there one of these days just to see if how the place has changed. Yeah. I don't remember a ton for <laughs> reasons I don't. That's, need to go into. That's also a thing that sometimes happens at Evergreen. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but uh, I did see Nirvana play. Dorm oh, party. man. Yeah. Like Outside I, K-Dorm. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I have uh, I went to the Nirvana exhibit at the um, uh, the Experience Music Project a couple mm-hmm. blocks from here. Oh, yeah, and they've got too, they've yeah. got photos taken of that show. And I, I had no idea that that happened. Yeah. And I yeah, I remember that dorm. And I was just, yeah, retroactively very jealous. Yeah. So, all right. Fantastic, man. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. The, the one and only time... I recall that I spoke to Kurt Cobain while they were playing, and they were very boring, actually. They sure. weren't really the best band at yeah. that time. At the time, yeah. Um, and it had been a sunny day, brilliantly hot, 90 degrees. And, oh, and, and sometime around when night started to fall, it started to rain a little bit. And yeah. I'd been inside Kate Dorham yeah. after the first half of their set. And I come out, and I'm walking through the sliding glass door or big yeah. something. And they're coming in, and I didn't know it had started raining. So I'm like, oh, why are you coming in? And Kurt says, 
because we don't want to die. And, I'm like, and I look out, oh, because it's raining and you're using electrical things. I'm the dumb hippie. All right, fine. So for the folks who haven't been on the Evergreen campus, when, when Brent says K-Dorm, don't think like big, massive building full of students. It's like maybe like a six-unit Yes, yeah, like, like six that, unit. Yeah. Like imagine a, a mildly down market six unit apartment building mm-hmm. full of students in their teens and twenties. Yeah, built yeah. in eighty six yeah. or seven. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, when when he says he saw Nirvana in K dorm, that means he was like three feet from Kurt Cobain's face. It's pretty mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, they were really really boring. Dave Grohl <laughs> wasn't in the band yet. I, I saw them. Uh, there was some another house party and a party somewhere else. Yeah, I saw them Man. a few times. I'm like. People would say, "Oh, you want to you want to go to this party?" It's you know they're playing. I'm like, "Really? All right, <laughs> those well, guys? Else is going. Jeez, <laughs> those guys so aren't going dull. anywhere." Yeah. yeah. Well, the big band was No Means No. Yep. My, they were fantastic. My little brother was a huge No Means No fan. Yeah. yeah. He's got better taste in music than I do. So when you're not supporting, you're <laughs> killing imaginary people. It's true. Uh, we've got a little. Uh, I, I yeah. I I don't actually have any creative. Uh, hobbies or skills like many of the people that I work with. Instead, myself and several other Omni employees slash other you know folks working at other software companies around Seattle, uh, we sit in dark rooms wearing headsets, talk to people who aren't physically present, shoot imaginary people, and take their imaginary stuff to make numbers get bigger. Mm. Turns out Skinner boxes, really awesome for certain personality types, and I'm that personality type. So Cool. There will be in the show notes a Wikipedia link probably to Skinner boxes yeah. for those of you <laughs> don't, who don't know. If you like video games, do not read the Skinner box article because it will take your fun away. And like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Of course, whenever anyone rings a bell, I salivate. So. <laughs> I actually have an item filed in my OmniFocus database to ring a bell in a bar because I because <laughs> Seattle's kind of a sailor town, and if you ring the, most of the bars, at least in certain sections of the town, will have bells, and if you you ring it, it you're buying around for yeah, everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I've seen those bells. I have not done it yet. It still remains frustratingly unchecked. That's what credit cards are for. That's true. Yes, there is that. It's true. <laughs> so your household has <laughs> now a lot more legs than it used to it's, have. It's true. It's true. How many legs precisely? Uh, I live in a 20-leg household. Jeez, that's a lot <laughs> yeah, of legs. That's a lot of legs. And does that enable you to run a marathon any faster? Oh, no. No, okay. one cannot run a the marathon any faster. with cat leg. Exactly. Month, whatever. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, so uh, there's my wife and myself, and we had a quite reasonable number of cats, which is two. Um, but a few years down the road, one of her siblings uh, got into a situation where he was not able to – he needed to change his living space, and he couldn't take his cats with him. Um, and so she was like, well, we'll bring Steve's pets over from Spokane, and then we'll get them healthy, and then we'll take them to the shelter. And I was like, sweetie – uh, four cats is completely ridiculous. Uh, and there's not a chance in hell that we're taking your brother's cats to the shelter. So that's how we became a 20 cat household. Ridiculous wins. <laughs> it's yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, it's, it turns out being greeted by four hungry cats. Uh, first thing in the morning, uh, does cross a barrier that I didn't know existed, which is say three cats, cute, four cats. Oh God, you guys really, <laughs> Yeah, right. we're all like, feed me now. I have a brain the size of a walnut and I haven't eaten in eight hours. Right. <laughs> Man. Yeah. So it's 20 legs, 20 legs, but four tails. And the yes. math seems weird if you think about it it's, that way. That's true. <laughs> yeah, so we won't think about it that way. Yes. Where can we find you on the web? Uh, I am on Twitter, which uh, is, a, well, it's a service. It's a service that has not failed yet, and that's a good thing, I suppose. Depending on how you yeah. define failure. I have a complicated relationship with Twitter. But anyways, I'm on Twitter. Hi, Dvorak. 
uh, when you see the profile with the burning flag, you'll know it's me. Okay. <laughs> so Dvorak, um, you're a fan of the Czech composer, clearly. <laughs> Uh, no, but people when I'm when I'm gaming online, a lot of people will say, "Are you Czech?" And uh, it took me a while to figure out why that was happening, and I realized that Dvorak was actually Czech. I also found out that the composer, so the keyboard guy, his name is pre- pronounced like you think it's pronounced. Okay. The composer pronounces his name like you would think it was pronounced if you were Czech. Hmm. Um, but if you, are, you pronounce it like the, you pronounce the keyboard guy's name like the Czech composer's name, you're doing it wrong. Okay. Which is a thing it took me far too long to figure out. All right. <laughs> You still use a Dvorak <laughs> I do. keyboard. I do because when it, I didn't learn to touch type until I was 19, 20. Like I was mm-hmm. still hunting pecking until that point. And then, again, if you have a personality type that is prone to like, ooh, I can optimize this. Like, mm-hmm. well, I could learn to type like everybody else does. Or I could learn this weird alternative keyboard that nobody actually uses but is better. And you should right. see that I'm making air quotes with my fingers. <laughs> um, it is better. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's better. I've managed to type on, you know, I've, I type for a living and I've been doing it for far too many years and I've managed to not get RSI yet. And Good. I actually do attribute that to the keyboard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. I don't have, I've never had RSI and well, that's I've attributed to not using VAR keyboards. That's just because time. you're a naturally superior human being. Uh, I, I don't have that advantage. I always forget, which is another part of my yeah. advantage. Yeah, exactly. Because that makes you humble. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. <laughs> Always a pleasure, Brent. Are we using our names now? Yes. Okay. I'd also like to thank our intrepid producer, Mark Bosco. Say hello, Mark. Hello, Mark. Well done. Thank you. And especially, I want to thank you for listening. Thank you. Music. Music.